Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Two Steelers fans in a pro football world. I am Zach. And I am Dill. And we are here to bring you all the news from the NFL, USFL, and XFL from a Pittsburgh Steelers fans perspective. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we've had a pretty eventful week, actually. The first time we've had an eventful week in a little while. So this week, what we're going to be covering is the USFL Championship, which we mentioned in our last episode. That happened on Sunday, so we'll be covering that for a little bit. We'll be covering the recent uh, drop from The Rock, the owner of the XFL, who, when asked about uh, potential XFL expansion, assuming the league gets that far, uh, they asked him. So the XFL had a showcase in Hawaii, showca- you know, showcasing talent, getting players in there, just creating their draft pool. And somebody asked him, they said, you know, what are we thinking about maybe having an XFL team in Hawaii? And he said, you know what? Expan- We've talked about that, but expansion's a few years down the line, so it's an option. Uh, so we're going to be covering that a little bit. We're going to just talk about how that might impact the football world as well as what other uh, cities. We're going to go over what other cities could potentially get XFL, USFL, NFL markets, all that stuff. And the big NFL uh, news drop, which came today, Baker Mayfield getting traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers. We'll break all that down, and then we'll conclude with Zach's hot take of the week. So we've got a pretty jam-packed episode this week, and I actually want to start uh, with the USFL championship game. So... Uh, Zach, I know we were talking about it, uh, we were texting about it earlier this week, uh, talking about the USFL Championship game. After we filmed last week's episode, we were talking about it, and uh, I just want to know, how much of it did you actually watch, first of all? I'm going to be honest, Dill, I watched the last seven minutes of the first quarter, and uh, then my parents, they were like, no, we are not watching this, we, we got to put something else on. And uh, Was it I that wa- bad? You guys just... Uh, they just were not into it at all. Okay. I actually, I wasn't minding the game from what I saw of it, but I, I also didn't really oppose them turning it off. Because yeah. I was like, how, how interesting will it keep being? And actually, from what I looked at later, it did end up being a very interesting game, and I did watch the last two minutes of the uh, championship. And uh, the last two minutes were very interesting. I was actually, like, on the edge of my seat, you know, watching what was yeah. going to happen in those last two minutes, so... Uh, I kind of wish I watched a little bit more, if I'm being honest. But, uh, yeah, I ended up basically watching about nine minutes of the game, if, if you, you look at it you yeah, know, statistically. to get the uh, net total. So I watched the whole game, all four painful quarters. And I say painful as, you know, the butt of the joke, the USFL, spring football, oh, it's terrible. It was actually a pretty good game. Uh, final score ended up being 33-30 in favor of Birmingham. And, uh, you know, I think, obviously, for, like, a spring football league, for that to, for their first championship to be like that, and I, I mean, you just said you were on the edge of your seat for like the whole game, I not the whole game, or the two, the final two minutes that you mm-hmm. watched. That's a big thing for a spring football league. I, I feel like. I mean, the bulk of the game, like the part in the middle, it wasn't super interesting. I mean, uh, Birmingham starting quarterback got hurt. From what I remember, he got hurt towards the end of the second quarter. He didn't end up playing the second half of the game. So that made things interesting. And then actually in the fourth quarter, Philadelphia's starting quarterback got hurt as well so that really livened things up we had two backup quarterbacks in the first championship for the usfl it made for a really interesting game uh i watched philly's uh backup quarterback throw an interception on literally his first pass of the game so it was a pick six uh scooby right the third ended up returning it for a touchdown Scooby, yes scooby right the third that's our boy love you scooby um, but so he would return the ball uh, for a touchdown, pick six. So that basically sealed the game. Again, I don't know if anyone watched it, but if you did, that was basically what sealed the game. Uh, he ended up throwing up on the sidelines afterward. At the camera, there was this camera shot, and he was like leaning over the bench, 
and he was like puking and I, I it was only like a one maybe like two second shot and I was thinking to myself like why do we need that there I don't know but uh, it's I, USFL dang it I know but I'm sorry I'm getting away from the original point so I think that to have a game come down to the wire in the way that it did. I mean, it quite literally came down to the last drive. The one thing that really, like, finished the game was when Philly's quarterback, their backup quarterback, threw his second interception in the last, like, five minutes of the game. Dude, uh, it honestly made me sad because, well, we were talking about it last episode, how this USFL championship would, you know, be rigged for Birmingham. And, uh, I mean, I'd still say it was. I Again, I didn't watch all of it, but Birmingham won. We broke down last episode why we knew they kind of had to win uh but it was fun to see the stars be that into it especially as them being such a big underdog team and barely having a above 500 record i mean they won just over half of their games um they ended up being six and four uh this year yeah in case anyone was wondering about the record so just seeing all of that and then also playing with like their original starting quarterback having a major injury technically having to play with the backup for their whole season and then having to play with the third string who threw two interceptions that's why they really lost the game but I, I kind of wanted the Stars to win because even though I knew Birmingham pretty much kind of had to win and they were probably going to win it was fun to watch the Stars actually make it really close towards the end and it, it hurt me when they threw the pick because I was like dude I can't even say that part was rigged. Yeah. Because you just threw a bad interception. But no, it was it was definitely interesting. It was a little bit, you know, heartbreaking towards the end there, but it, it was it was fun to watch from the parts that I was watching it because every time that I watched it it was still close and yeah. from what I've been hearing about the game it's pretty much it was pretty much close through the whole thing. It was I think the biggest point margin was like uh 7 May, somewhere between 7 and 14, I think. I don't think yeah, it ever I don't, broke I, 20. I was going to say, I don't think it ever went more than a two-score game. Um, but then uh, another thing that I want to add that was kind of interesting is, well, one, it was played in Canton, Ohio, so it was played at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And they're calling it the Pro Football Hall of Fame now because apparently I found this out when I was watching part of it that the USFL actually has a spot in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, so I don't know if that's showcasing, like, the new one. Which I highly doubt it, but the USFL used to be its own league. Well, they wouldn't have a Hall of Fame dedicated to the new one. I mean, it's his first well, year. Right, but it, it, used, it used to be a whole thing. And I don't think it would be dedicated to, like, just the Hall of Famers, but possibly dedicated to just the new – or, like, maybe not dedicated to them exactly, but, like, spring football yeah. and kind of making the rise. I could see, like, a little – like section of it being dedicated to the new rising spring football. Yeah, that's but true. that that's still a little bit new. And how much renovation are they really going to do in twenty twenty? Yeah, I, well, I I wouldn't do anything like now for for the football hall of fame because right. like spring leagues. I mean, just in general, they don't typically last. Right. They, so I mean, you could have like a little booth or something, but I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. put anything huge. But right. I, so I actually want to get to the like main point of this segment. So as we said earlier, it was a really good game, really close game. Do you think? And that, Zach, I'm asking you, I'll give my opinion as well, but do you think that this game, again, final score, 33-30, down to the wire game, do you think that that's going to be an indication of the kind of quality of football that we can look for in the USFL, but spring football in general, moving forward? Like, overall, do you think this was a good thing for the USFL or a bad thing? No, I think it was a great thing because, I mean, people have talked about it before with Super Bowls. Like, there's been blowout Super Bowls, and any time there's a blowout Super Bowl, 
people aren't into it. Zach's wearing his uh, Seattle Seahawks jersey right now, so he knows a thing or two about blowout Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, I also know a thing or two about uh, last drives and bad play calls. But, um, yeah, so um, I I think a close championship game is probably the best thing they could have done. And if they rigged it for Birmingham, they did it in the best way possible because they still made it close. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that that's what's going to get their viewership. That's what's going to get them their money is that if somebody's dominating the league, both the Generals and the Stallions only lost one of their games this year. So when you think about it that way, they did dominate the league, but the Generals lost in the first round of the playoffs, and Birmingham made it come down to the wire against a 6-4 and four team. And it's interesting that way because you could easily have, in the way that it's set up, have one team absolutely blow out everybody else, absolutely blow out teams in the championship and win an easy championship game. People, More people than just us would be saying, this is 100% rigged, why would I watch it? Why would I keep watching it if this team's just probably going to be great for forever? Having a competitive league is what people want to watch. Like, let's be honest, you could not be a fan of the USFL, you could not be a fan of like any of these sports cities, but competitive sports is always entertaining to watch. If you're a sports fan, I mean, if you'd rather sit there and watch soap operas, and it's not going to be interesting. Even a thing anymore? Yeah, they they are like the days days of our lives and stuff. That's oh still gosh. still pumping out new episodes, and I don't how? know how. Isn't that how old is that show? That's it's like be... thirty or forty oh years my old. God. That's, oh my gosh! What's it? The Young and the Restless. Yes, it's oh still my god. Dude, it's still new. Every time, like I'm home from school, like I turn on the TV, and that's the thing that pops on, and I'm like, why? And then I'm like looking through the guide, and it literally says new episodes, and I'm like, how though? But anyway, if you're a sports fan, comp- competitive sports is entertaining regardless. So the fact that this league is actually competitive, even with teams that don't look like they should be competitive, I think it's going to make for interesting football, as long as they can, you know, get rid of pathetic teams like the Maulers. Yeah, so we've talked, about this in, we've talked about this in previous episodes. I'm much more of a spring football guy than Zach is. Yeah. I, you know, I, my freshman year of high school was the XFL 2020. So it was like, it was new, it was fresh, and I, I really liked it. And it was just something to watch. And then, obviously, quarantine shut everything down. And I, I was, I mean, again, like I just said, I was attached to the XFL. So, you know, I'm a big spring football guy. And I, you know, I've heard a lot of good things from, like, the general public about, like, what they thought about the championship game and what they thought about the league in general, actually. Uh, I've not heard a ton of negative. The only, like, really negative things that I've seen from the USFL, obviously from, like, you know, people, like, in the higher-ups, like, you know, ESPN and all that jazz, you know, they're not really going to care about a spring football league. They're just going to kind of scoff at it. But from the people who, like, are actually passionate about spring football, the only, like, complaints that I've seen from them are a lot of, like, oh, this league's going to be terrible. The XFL will be great. So it's not, like, it's not, oh, the spring football is terrible. It's, a this league specifically is bad. And so, first of all, I think that's going to make for a really good competition when the XFL comes back next year. Uh, That's going to make things more entertaining. Uh, but second of all, I think that it's good for spring football that, like, people are, like, getting into it. Like, people are saying, you know, like, the fans are obviously trashing. Some of the people are trash on the USFL because the XFL won't be as good. That's going to get people who like the USFL more into that league. And also, I think that just to get back to the original point of the championship game and, like, what the what that effect will be, 
having a championship game like that, like to really punctuate the year as a whole. I mean, championship games in general, it doesn't really matter what it is. They're going to draw fans because people like watching champions. They like I mean, watching champions get crowned. But... The amount of fans at that game was huge. That it, game looked like it was almost sold out. It was nothing. Like, compared to the other games, outside of maybe the first and second Birmingham, like the home Birmingham games, outside of those, that was definitely the most packed in that stadium. And that's in Canton, Ohio. So there's not really – there's no XFL, USFL, spring football teams out there. So I think that that's a pretty good indication, especially because – you know, I mean, like I just said, people like watching champions get crowned. They like watching championship games. So you're going to get more people like turning on the TV, showing up to these games to watch it just to see what happens. If you have a really close game like that, people are going to think, hey, maybe the whole league is like this. So, hey, next year when this comes back, we're going to watch and see what happens. So I think it was really good for them. And it's for the USFL specifically, it was good because they can maybe attract fans that the XFL can't 2023 with that uh, competition. So that's my opinion on it. Uh, people might think differently, obviously. But I think that overall, the championship game was a net positive. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I think. And do you have any last thoughts before we uh, move into the next bit? No, not really. It's just, I mean, I know personally, as somebody who wasn't that into it this year, uh, I'm probably more likely to watch it a little bit more next year. Um, probably won't watch the Maulers nearly as much as I did this year because I tried tried to like them as because they were a Pittsburgh team and... I, I just, like, I couldn't do it. You know, to this day, I still don't, I don't know why they put the Maulers in Pittsburgh. I mean, we have the Steelers. It's just, I, I do We don't need more football. That's what We I'm don't saying. need more hometown football. We need more, like, other football. I like the idea of spring football. We don't need more hometown football. Yeah. And I, I actually want to throw that out there. If anybody, I, I was somebody who paid attention to, like, the really in-depth leagues at one point. We used to have an indoor football team. There used to be an indoor football league, and we used to have a team called the Pittsburgh Power. I actually went to one of their games. It was very entertaining. Uh, I stole somebody's seat uh, on the, like, like oh, upfront seats, and uh, the cops got, not cops, the security guard got called on me and my friends, so that was a vibe. Um, and then I, we had, and we might still have, uh, I don't know how well this league is doing right now, but there's a WNFL, so Women's National Football League. We had the Pittsburgh Passion. And, like, if you actually pay attention to us, we had a lot of other football teams. I don't know why we had to add none one the, more on top oh of that. Goodness. Oh, voice crack of a century. <laughs> but none of those other teams, like, they haven't stuck. Like, right, I've but, never heard of the power or the passion until... Right. Like, I'm pretty sure the passion still exists. It's just, I don't think the WNFL has ever gotten famous. I will say the main reason why I know about the WNFL is my aunt actually coached for the Chicago Force, coached and played for the Chicago oh, Force. Wow. That's cool. So I have a little bit more connection with that. Actually, one of the players for the Pittsburgh Passion worked for my dad at his bakery. So uh, I had more of a connection with that, which is why I knew. But Pittsburgh is a very like football-oriented town. But, yeah, a lot of these things didn't stick because the Steelers are why we're football-oriented. Mm -hmm. And I think that might have been the only reason why the USF, USFL was doing this because they might have looked at this and been like, wow, they actually have some other teams besides the Steelers. Let's 
give them another one. But if they really looked at it, they would realize that those other teams don't have nearly the following that the Steelers do. Yeah, yeah. I, again, you got spring football league's got to be putting their teams in other cities. And actually, speaking of other cities, this is going to take us into our next segment. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson saying that down the line, assuming the XFL makes it that far, which, again, is a big assumption, uh, they might put an XFL team in Hawaii. So when I first saw this news, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't, like, super into it at first. Something about the idea of a team in Hawaii, financially speaking, it's just so expensive, especially for a spring football league. But, again, this would be a couple years down the line, so hopefully by then money wouldn't be an issue. I think they could make it work. I mean, I don't... I think they can make it work. I agree, but, man, I will tell you, home field advantage would be insane That's for true. Hawaii. And for any team it would face. The amount of commute between there... I mean, if Hawaii has to play New England... Oh, my goodness. The massive amount of commute would be ridiculous. Yeah. The amount of jet lag would be ridiculous. I mean, if I'm speaking as one of the coaches of either of those teams, as soon as the game beforehand is done, I'm flying down to the other place, and I'm, I don't know, like paying extra money to play at like a high school thing or something in that other place because you got to get those players yeah. figured out with that time zone. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, I, I don't know if people really pay attention to time zones here. We're all f- football fans, but yeah. like. <laughs> I Hawaii is going to sleep when we're waking up in the morning, basically. That's true. You have to wonder how that would affect, like, broadcasting. Exactly. I mean, the amount of broadcast... Like, it's... There's a lot more that goes into this stuff with, like, the time zones than we actually think. Yeah. Like, I mean, you want to make it more accessible to the public, so would these guys be playing at, like, 1 a.m.? It's possible. So, it's kind of interesting. That's why... I mean, like Dill said, with, you know, the uh, spring football league going into that territory, that's a lot more dangerous because, I mean, if the NFL went into that territory, they have the money that if they devoted it to that, they could probably make it work. Because, yeah, if they have to have games over there at 1 a.m. so that the general public could watch it, they might not have a lot of stadium revenue because how many people are really going to go watch an NFL game at 1 a.m.? It wouldn't be 1 a.m. in Hawaii. It would be... Well, no. What I'm saying is the players would have to play at 1 a.m. or, you know, some crazy time if everybody on the mainland is going to be able to watch it at the normal time. So, I mean, if they want to do it like that, then I feel like the NFL is more equipped to be able to handle less stadium revenue than something like the XFL would. Yeah. Because, I mean, granted, as we saw with the USFL, they don't make a lot of stadium revenue because... Well, to be fair, the USFL was also in one stadium. Right, exactly. If you're doing it in one stadium, then that's trickier. That's why it's but, important to pick your market. Because, like, the XFL, I, 2023, they haven't officially announced their teams, but they picked, uh, from what has been reported by Mike Mitchell over at the XFL News Hub, they reported that St. Louis was going to be a city, Orlando was going to be a city, and San Antonio was going to be a city. San Antonio and St. Louis. So San Antonio is part of the AAF. I don't know if any of you guys know what that was. That was kind of the original modern spring football league. It was 2019. It was the first. So that that prefaced or preluded. I don't know what the correct word is. That came before XFL, USFL, all that junk. So the AAF, that was the first one. San Antonio was the highest. They made the most money. San Antonio was the biggest market. St. Louis for the XFL in 2020 was the highest market there. 
Orlando was the second highest grossing. I, is grossing the right word? I guess, mm-hmm. I'm not really great with words, but Orlando made the second most money in the AF in 2019. So these guys are picking like hot football markets. So putting a team in a place like Hawaii, or I know I, me and Zach have me and Zach have been over this a bunch of times. Like what cities? Oh, you know, city here, city. You know, what city could have like could be a big football market? We've tossed around ideas like. Uh, Albuquerque, I know, is one because there's really nothing in New Mexico. It would be cool to throw something out there, you know. Oklahoma City, because yeah. I mean, they're close to uh, Texas, so most of them probably root for Houston or Dallas, but they don't really have a lot of stuff besides college football. It would be interesting for them to have a team. Yeah, so and again, we've been throwing these ideas out there. I think one of my favorites, honestly, is Boise, Idaho, yeah. uh, because really they have Boise State, which doesn't really do much, but I mean, I have friends of mine that try to tell me that Idaho doesn't exist because it literally like you don't hear the state name Idaho really at yeah. all it would give them something to not just you know cheer for but actually put them on the map yeah so we like in general we like putting a team in the, all these places and all these cities seems like a good idea on paper but then you got to turn around and think like how big is the market like Hawaii I've heard mixed things about Hawaii's football market. Dwayne Johnson seems to think it's a huge one, which I feel like if it was that big of one, the NFL would probably try to get its grubby little hands on it first, but the NFL doesn't really want to spend money. They want to make money, so that could be why. Um, so I think it's important for these t- spring leagues to pick their cities well, and I think expanding to a place like Hawaii is a big gamble because you don't know what the reception. You don't know what the reception is going to be. It's an even bigger gamble because of how much money it would cost to bring teams in and out of there. So could it work? Sure. But how really viable and how, like, does it, is it a good idea, basically? That's a toss-up. I'm not going to say no because I don't know enough about Hawaii, like, in terms of football. So it's a toss-up. I don't know, I don't know enough about that to say whether it's good or bad. That's just my take on it. I think that it's a gamble. You could say that all spring leagues are a gamble and you'd be right, but I think that that's a bigger gamble. Even if it's an expansion that happens once they're financially stable and they have their roots in the ground, assuming that would happen. Last thing I'm going to touch on this is I think if you're going to test the markets in any way, or if you're going to bring Hawaii in in any way, the first thing that you have to do is try it out with the bubble. Because the bubble is what... uh, believe the xfl did with st louis no uh usfl did it with birmingham but that's the only team the only spring league that's done a bubble okay okay well so yeah recently the usfl has done it with birmingham uh where all the games played in birmingham and i know the xfl doesn't really want to resort to the bubble but if you're gonna bring hawaii in you pretty much have to do the bubble because i mean really if you don't do the bubble then you're dealing with what we've mentioned before about the travel commute, the time zones, and all of that. So bringing it into the bubble and just having a team represent Hawaii but never having to travel through there might be at least your best chance at testing out the market and seeing how many viewers from Hawaii you actually have coming in and uh, watching this game. I mean, again, a team in Hawaii, on again, on paper it looks nice. And uh, something like the XFL... Again, like I mean, you mentioned the bubble. That's what you just talked about. Uh, so they could do it, but again, I think we've established this at the beginning. If it was really that big of a football market, I still feel like the NFL would eat it up first. But I, I could be wrong. You know, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the NFL's agenda is. They haven't expanded since two thousand two when they added Houston. But uh, speaking 
of the NFL. And actually, Houston's involved in this uh, next topic a little bit, too. So, big NFL news dropping today. The Cleveland Browns finally traded Baker Mayfield. Who did they trade him to, you ask? The Carolina Panthers. A team with, and we looked this up earlier, four quarterbacks on the roster already. Uh, Zach, you're, you're, so you go to college in Carolina. You're, mm-hmm. you're, so you're kind of a Panthers fan. Steelers are obviously yeah. your, big, your big first team, but yeah. Panthers are your second team. I want to hear what you, from a Panthers perspective, we'll get into the Browns when he's finished, but I want to hear what you think about this. How, what do you think about the Panthers getting another quarterback and what you think about it being Baker Mayfield? Well, one, as a Steelers fan first, uh, I know more about Baker Mayfield than most Panthers fans, and I'm, I'm sad because that's, that, they want a quarterback that can change their team. Because, let's be honest, their defense is great. Their running back is great when he's not on the bench with, you know, a busted-up knee. Their O-line... Nah, their O-line sucks. I can't say anything about that. Their O-line sucks. But, really, they were an O-line and a quarterback away from being a playoff-contending team. And after this trade, they are still an O-line and QB away from being a you know, playoff team. They did not get anything they didn't already have. In my opinion, Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are nearly the same person. Now, I mean, I'm not going to be naive enough to say that Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield have always played at the same level. Baker Mayfield has played at better level. Like one season, though. Or probably a couple seasons. Yeah, but if you really look at it, Sam Darnold played on the Jets and the Panthers. The Jets were the Jets. They didn't have a receiving core. They didn't have a running back. They didn't have an O-line. Sam Darnold was constantly running for his life, which, is, if you look at his highlight reel, he has some great runs, mostly because he had to. He led the league in rushing touchdowns at the beginning of this past season with Carolina, and most people will say it's like, yeah, that's because he was rushing like a beast, and I'm like, no, that's because, like, one, his lead running back was injured, and two, his O-line couldn't block for crap, so he couldn't stay in the backfield anyway. So, I mean, really, Sam Darnold never had an O-line to stand behind to actually, you know, throw the ball. When he could drop back and, you know, not get immediately pelted, he actually didn't throw the ball terribly. He threw the ball as well as Baker Mayfield who pretty much for all of his years on the Browns, or at least his most recent years, had a top, I'm going to say this, a top one O-line. He had the best O-line in the league. I mean, Joel Batonio, Jack Conklin, Jedrick Wills, they had probably the best O-line in the league. I literally can't think of another O-line that was better than theirs. And that was not just last season. That was not... That was last season and the season before, and possibly the season before that. Like, they had one of the best O-lines, and actually technically still have one of the best O-lines that we've seen. And Baker Mayfield still couldn't really do much. That's what I'm looking at, because really, I think Darnold and Baker Mayfield are even. If Darnold had a quality O-line, he would be playing at the same caliber as Baker Mayfield was when Baker... Or he would be playing at the same caliber that Baker Mayfield was when he was winning a playoff game. 
When was it? Twenty twenty. He did that in twenty. Yeah, it's yeah. Because right, he freaking beat us. In I was almost gonna say winning playoff games, and then I couldn't say that because it was only one. Yeah, you had, so. to, you had to drop the S there. Yeah. So, I really I don't think there's a big difference between those two. Um, so that that's one thing. You had a quarterback that didn't do much for you, and then you bring in a quarterback that's just really gonna do the same. Um, and you're not building the one thing that you need, which is an O line. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, because you're, you're one good player on your O-line. We picked them up. Thank you for that, by the way. When he says we, he means the Steelers. Because yeah. that's the only we that matters. Right. Outside of the Nintendo we. I'll say that I support the Panthers and some other teams, but the only team, and this is for all future reference and episodes, the only we that I ever talk about is Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but the other thing that I want to go off is... You don't even need him as a backup. P.J. Walker has been a great backup for you for multiple seasons. And they just drafted a guy, too. And they also just drafted Matt Coral, who, I mean, Steelers were projected to pick him up. Uh, other teams were projected to pick him up. Then the Panthers picked him up. And, you know, people thought that the Panthers were going to need a quarterback. But even when they were looking at him in the draft, we were like, they already have multiple quarterbacks. Why would they need another one? Because they just picked up Darnold on a big contract. And they also paid Cam Newton, which he's a free agent now, but you just spent a bunch of money on Cam Newton. Why are you spending so much more money on a rookie quarterback when you... And at this point, they could have gotten Matt Ryan. They could have gotten Marcus Mariota, who is on free agency. They could have gotten all these free agent quarterbacks that they just didn't get, but instead they pick up again. And even matchup for Sam Darnold with Baker Mayfield and uh, unproven rookie. And I'm like, you know that mediocrity in your quarterback position is the only thing that's keeping you away from a championship. Why do you keep adding to it? And so that is my Panthers rant. Um, (laughs) And it is why that I'm going to the Panthers game, this Panthers-Steelers game this year, wearing everything Steelers related because I don't want to be associated with them there (laughs) at all. You know, so. you know what's funny? Uh, so I found out that this news was broken to me while I was working today. A coworker came up to me and he said, he would tell me about it. He said, uh, Browns traded Baker Mayfield. And uh, he said a couple things, but there were two things that stuck out to me. He said, this, this is, first one's just kind of a joke. But he goes, uh, the Baker Mayfield, the, he says, number one overall pick in the 2018 draft and the number three overall pick in the 2018 draft in Sam Darnold are currently competing on the same team Pardon my French for the same damn position. So that's that's just to put things into perspective of how bad of a draft class that was. Outside of Josh Allen, my favorite uh, Bills player. Um, the other thing is that uh, I don't really have much an opinion on that. On like the trade in general. I mean, I hate Cleveland, so you know, screw them because they don't have a quarterback now. Watson's probably not going to play it down for them. He's got twenty six lawsuits against him. What I don't know at Cleveland. Thank you for being a joke year in and year out. But uh, the funny thing about this trade is that Cleveland and Carolina actually play each other week one of the this season. So uh, so Cleveland's going to find out real fast if they were the problem or if Baker was the problem. And knowing Cleveland, I think it's, it's probably Cleveland. Look, I'm really going to say that both teams – I don't know how this is possible, but both teams lost this trade. Yeah, no one really won. So – and you know the, the Browns because the Browns still have to pay him. He's like a ten point five eight million dollar cap hit. So yeah, they, they still, didn't even get anything. The Browns still have to pay Mayfield. 
Like I, I already explained why the Panthers basically lost this trade. But the Browns, the only thing that they're getting in return is a fifth-round pick and a, you know, conditional fourth-round pick. So if Baker Mayfield plays decently, decent enough, they can get a fourth-round pick out of him. Meanwhile, this guy technically led them to their first playoff win in, like, a hundred freaking years or something. Like, broke the biggest playoff drought in sports history. And they're only going to get max a fourth-round pick out of him? That's Cleveland for That's you. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Plus, why would you trade this man in the first place when all of the rumors and news coming out of the NFL lately is surrounding the fact that Deshaun Watson is going to get a major suspension. And it the rumors are now not saying it's like it's he might get a suspension. It's all about what his suspension will be because right now they're basically guaranteeing that he will get a suspension. So you need a serviceable backup quarterback, which you had in Baker Mayfield, because as much as I think the guy's a moron and he's not the best football player, he still won them games. It makes no sense. But again, that is the most Cleveland thing I've ever heard. Yep. And it's why I, I will say this. The chances of a football or an NFL trophy going to the state of Ohio are the same chances that Terry Bradshaw will come out of retirement. Okay. Really just took a shot at the entire Cincinnati Bengals team. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to say Joe that. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are, like, cringing in their Dude, they're Dude, they're going to hunt me down, and people who are watching this who are, like, even moderately Cincinnati fans are yeah. probably going to have my head. Uh, but yeah. I, I just said that. Yeah. Yeah. And that may sound like his hot take for the week, but it's actually not. That's the segment we're going to move into next, which is going to finish out our podcast. Zach, it actually your hot take relates to the topic we just talked about, doesn't it? It does. So we talked about how Carolina, uh, they have a mass amount of uh, quarterbacks on their team. Man, they could build that whole freaking offense just out of quarterbacks. But, yeah, one of them is Matt Coral, who is a rookie who, you know, the Steelers were thinking about getting him. He was thinking to go much earlier in the draft than they thought. But let's be honest. We thought a lot of quarterbacks were going to go much earlier than they did. But I I saw some promise in Matt Coral. And let's be honest. I think he's probably better than some of the quarterbacks that Carolina already has. So the hot take today is that Matt Coral will be starting for Carolina by the end of the season. So what I mean by that is that he's not going to be starting first game. So Carolina against the Browns, Matt Coral almost certainly won't be starting. But after probably at least half the season, they're going to find out that Darnold still sucks and that Baker Mayfield also still sucks. And neither of them are going to be cutting it. They're going to be looking at another losing season, but because they have a good defense and because they have CMC, they're still going to have a chance at a winning record. And because they're going to have a chance at a winning record, I think they're going to realize that their quarterback situation is garbage, and they're going to put in a rookie quarterback who, you know, in my opinion, could do some good in the NFL. 
So even if it's for one game uh, and it's to try it out because they need something to work, they are going to put Matt Coral in as the starting quarterback. I'm not saying like he'll just come in for a game and play a couple snaps. No, he is going to start a game for Carolina at some point in this upcoming season. Um, based, uh, I mean, the way that I see it is it's their only chance. It's their only chance that I can foresee just, I mean, being a Steelers fan and playing against uh, or watching the Steelers play against Baker. I know how he plays. Um, being a uh, Panthers fan a little bit this last year when I was in Charlotte, I know how he plays. I, I I'm almost positive that they're they're going to need help from Matt Coral at some point this year. You know, Carolina's like the opposite. Carolina, like as a team, is the opposite of Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel plays. I swear, he's a, he's every position on the San Francisco 49ers team. Carolina, on the other hand, needs seven guys to fill one position. I, exactly. Yeah, I, that's actually that's, that's my that's Dill's hot take for the <laughs> that. I 100% agree with that, but. Yeah, and then if, uh, you know, anybody from Charlotte's watching this, you know dang well that I'm right about your Panthers, all right? You you know I'm right, all of you. Um, but, yeah, it's – I think they're going to need some help. I think they're going to find it in Matt Coral. Uh, or they're going to find at least something in Matt Coral because, <laughs> you know, they paid him enough. But, yeah, so – uh, look out for Matt Coral coming in and uh, trying to help the Panthers out of the massive hole that they have dug themselves. And, uh, yeah, well, the, the last thing that I'm going to say about this whole thing is at least Carolina has Matt Coral to dig them out of this hole because Cleveland Cleveland doesn't have anything to dig them out of that Jacoby hole. Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> he's he's there. Somewhere. Hey, maybe uh, Miles Garrett still has Mason Rudolph's helmet. And he, he can, can put use... it on, and he could be a quarterback. Yeah, he can. He can use. <laughs> he can use that. But I mean, it's Mason Rudolph's helmet. How much quarterback help are you going to get from that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow! <laughs> all right. Sorry, um, I'm picket for life, man. I'm also picket for life, but it's, yeah, it's it's all right. But on the subject of Steelers quarterbacks, we are not going to end this podcast. How Steelers fans end everything. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go.